this is Spain Metis, the podcast with Lauren Mosley, and welcome back again. This is another episode, and um, my name is Bart van Buchem. I'm your host. I'm a pain specialist physiotherapist, so we're going to do a deep dive again. Uh, Lorimer, thank you for joining again. G'day, Bart. Nice to see you again. You're looking yeah. quite fresh this morning, actually. I am. Yeah, it yeah. was it was early, but it's it's all right. I get a had a decent sleep, I guess, and uh, <laughs> it felt like enough. So <laughs> good. Yeah, good, good. Absolutely. What so, are we talking about today? But yes. So so just for for people who are jumping in, um, last sessions were about nociplastic pain and mm -hmm. um, a bit history, but also some critique and um, you opted for the term uh, pain hypersensitivity as a mm -hmm. result of your studies and preferred by patients and I just have to admit my knowledge shield turns up uh, there yeah. and 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 um, for just for people you are using the term knowledge shield when you feel something that you usually feel when you are not that interested anymore mm -hmm. or you feel mm -hmm. like i'm not listening there and i will tell you why because i think another, mm. another term <laughs> yeah so yeah uh, look uh, yeah. yeah totally uh i like the use of that idea of knowledge shields i think it's really it's a really helpful thing for us to be on the lookout for knowledge shields and i think that uh as you say you know there's sort of things that occur when you you feel yourself tune out, but also, I guess, if you feel yourself a bit annoyed or you just feel something when a, a new piece of data is in front of you and you and you feel something. So I think, you know, from a clinical perspective, it's really nice to encourage the people we're working with, I think, to observe themselves during any sort of educational event. And we have to be pretty broad-minded about what they are. It might be an educational event while you're doing some other activity or movement or exercise or assessment. Um, but to help people, I guess, validate people, to, to validate the feelings that we have during learning encounters is, I think, is potentially powerful and can, yeah, alert us to our knowledge shield. So from it sounds like from your perspective, when uh, we were talking about nociplastic pain and I said, well, this is something we call pain system hypersensitivity, actually, pain system hypersensitivity, and you felt yourself tune out a bit. So great spotting of the knowledge shield, but uh, so yeah, I guess why another term? Um, uh, look, I share that I share that desire to not keep bringing in new terms. Um, but I also, you know, our our research with with clinicians. So we we do a lot of research with clinicians and with consumers, and our our research with clinicians is that um, it's initially quite a challenging word, uh, and that doesn't mean we should discard it. I mean, um, dysmenorrhea is a challenging word, but it, it's not discarded within uh, those communities that that talk about pain with periods. Um, but I think that what what has been experienced by clinicians, or certainly our research tells us, is that uh, there's this new entity and um, it it sort of is clinically useful because it does describe that um, you know, it's a category of pain that we think is not nociceptive or neuropathic. And I think we covered that last, last time we chatted. 
Um, so it's, it's got a lot of clinical utility, I think, um, because we all think we see patients who would fit in that category. Um, so people are using it, but then the feedback we get from clinicians is they get the starry-eyed or or the annoyance, or it it doesn't inherently make sense to patients, to people in pain. It in and on its own, it doesn't stand alone as a thing that makes sense. So we were very interested in that, and we wanted to know well what would make the most sense, uh, so that when patients go home and tell their their family about you know how, how was your time with Loz or how was your time with the physio or the doctor or uh, and they say oh we were talking about nociplastic pain then they have to remember the definition and after I have a, a reasonably deep understanding of it um, so we were we were interested in well what what could you say that would immediately convey your understanding of the problem uh, and we did that in two rounds so we uh, we went to a first group of the general public. And I think about half of them were um, people with uh, or recovering from chronic pain. Um, and we asked them, what what would you call this? Would you call it a, a syndrome or a disorder or neither? And why? And what sort of terms would be important in there? And uh, we gave them a few examples, um, one of which was nociplastic pain. And there were, there, uh, there's probably eight or nine examples. And then anything else you'd like to add? And then on the basis of that, we had some clear front runners. Um, nociplastic pain was not one of those front runners, but um, we we used some of those terms and there were things like overprotective pain syndrome, complex pain syndrome, um, uh, high, yeah, oversensitivity, pain, pain oversensitivity, stuff like that, and pain system hypersensitivity and the clear winner in the next cohort, which was about 400 people, was this pain system hypersensitivity. And um, the the commentary from the first cohort was really, really clear that people wanted uh, hyper and not over hypersensitivity, not oversensitivity, because over implies some error on their behalf. Um, people some people were very reluctant with the idea of complex because no one wants to have a complex situation. They'd much rather have a, a you know, simple diagnosis. Now, I mean, chronic pain is complex, right? Um, but the message we got from the general public, the consumer, was uh, that that wasn't going to be helpful. Um, people really liked the idea of, of system, which... Um, in further exploring that, gave people a, almost like a mid ground between um, it's it's not in their it's not confined to a body area that hurts, but it's not them as a person that's making this hypersensitive state. You know how we can say to people, "Oh, you're so sensitive," or oh, "Don't be oversensitive," you know, and it can be a criticism and it's a judgment of their character or or psychology or something over which they have. They have clear and immediate control, whereas in pain system hypersensitivity and the, the idea of system, which has come up in a lot of our consumer-focused research and general public-focused research, system's really nice. People immediately get, okay, so there's lots of things that are contributing to this coherent system that's making pain. Mm. Uh, and uh, the hyper just reduce the judgment level a bit. 
Um, so pain system hypersensitivity, uh, I think, was the clear winner from that data. And then we've we've really started using that. We've integrated it into all the pain revolution materials um, into our clinical interactions, into our research trials. Uh, and it's landing really well in a really straightforward way. I mean, who, who knew? The, that asking consumers these questions would reveal such excellent answers. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think there, there is a need for a label, uh, and I think that it's a label that feels really faithful to the research. But you're right; it's another, it's another label, but it doesn't require an. Uh, I mean, the the intuitive understanding of that idea. You say to someone completely naive, you know. Let's say you got diagnosed with pain system hypersensitivity. What do you think that would be like? And and they answer with question with, with responses like, uh, "Well, I'd get pain when I don't need it, and I'd get pain during lots of things, and I wouldn't be able to do much because of pain, and pain would stop me sleeping, and all these things that actually is what it's like for them, just to just born from the label." So. I, I think people need to be introduced by the pain system itself. Is that correct, or do do people do people need previous no, previous knowledge knowledge about a pain system? Um, yeah, so it's definitely counter to that um, that historically dominant model of of pain just being a thing, an entity in that sits in you, or that that happens in your body when your body's injured. So. It's definitely a shift from that sort of more biomedical structural pathology idea of what what pain is, uh, and there there are some really loud, not many, but some really loud critics of the idea of introducing system when we're talking about pain, and um, some of those critics, you know, they have valid, they have some valid points about the you know the nervous system is a recognized system and the immune system is, and um, pain involves both of those systems and uh but my argument and we've made this argument in uh in a response to an article actually uh, and I'm happy to you know we can make that that letter available but um you know we as a number of authors and and we gave that serious thought you know are we by going with the consumers here are we stuffing up the use of the word system and we concluded that we didn't because we do talk about, you know, garbage collection systems and environmental and ecosystems and stuff like that, that are that are complex, multi, you know, almost multi-system systems. Uh, so uh, although we could see that perspective, I think I think system is intuitively pretty sensible. And, and well, that's what our data suggests. But you you're right. I mean, if someone turns up, I've, you know, I've ruptured my cruciate ligament and I've got pain and and we say, oh, uh, you know, we'd like to understand that a bit more and um, perhaps understand how your pain system's going. Then they might they might think, what do you mean, my pain system? Um, but that's where, as a clinician, we want to be watching: is the knowledge shield up, or, or we want to clarify? What do you understand? What What do you think when I say pain system? What does that mean to you? Um, and there is a is a conversation that's starting to move us so in in the direction we want to move conceptually. Yes, yeah, so, so so it it raises some curiosity 
apps. And if it's not shielded, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. At least there is a window of opportunity there to to talk about. So I can see this. But when when does a person have pain system hypersensitivity? <laughs> um, oh, I guess it's a lovely question, and and we could replace pain system hypersensitivity with a range of things over over history um, that are difficult to identify the moment. Uh, and I don't know if that's important to identify the moment, but um, the the clinical signs that we attribute, that, that we think are consistent with pain system hypersensitivity are things like hyperalgesia, um, allodynia. So hyperalgesia, if, any, if anyone gets them mixed up, and I know I did for a long time, um, hyperalgesia just means more pain than you would expect in that situation. And allodynia means pain in that situation when you wouldn't normally expect it. Uh, and I mean within a normal nervous system and, and health of the body tissues. Um, so we can have allodynia that's that's mediated entirely by peripheral sensitization, so inflammation in the tissues. Um, that's called primary allodynia uh, and primary hyperalgesia mediated the same way. I would still say that it, that that manifests in the same way as pain system hypersensitivity, but we can attribute it to sensitivity of the danger detection apparatus, you know, of the, of the nociception component. Um, I mean, that, that's, that's a whole other conversation about this idea. So uh, I spoke last time about one of the proposals to remove some of the confusion and ambiguity around nociceptive pain uh, is to redefine nociception and what, nociceptors are and stuff like that and um i don't think that's a great strategy myself but i think it's it's probably achieving the same end as categorizing a pain system um and it's just that the consumers have come up with the idea of pain system hypersensitivity rather than uh you know philosophers or um people like me um so when does it become i would attribute it to that that um the bigger than normal, so allodynia and hyperalgesia uh, that is not associated with inflammation within the tissues of the body. So um, most, you know, if the if the tissues are back to their normal health or they're not uh, they're not inflamed in some way, they might still be remodeling or or somewhere else on that healing journey. But people are. are uh, hyperalgesic, so they have more pain than we would expect in the scenario, then uh, I think the first conclusion we can make is, okay, there's pain system hypersensitivity. Um, that may be only because of the cues in that scenario, you know, like our red light, blue light experiments, um, uh, giving people cognitive data to say they're more at risk, those sorts of things. That's probably different to pain system hypersensitivity. That's just cueing, you know, and that's different uh, more variables that that may or may not make the system decide to produce pain but when we've got a consistent situation most obvious with movement and mechanical loading of tissues that we're hyperalgesic or we're allodynic and it's not inflammation then i would say okay so this is pain system hypersensitivity let's let's try and understand that um how much do you know about you know so this might be a clinical conversation uh, have you heard of that idea before, pain system hypersensitivity? Mm. And that might be, and uh, if so, so it's, and so, what does it mean? And if you haven't, well, well, what, what if you had a guess? 
what do you think it would mean? And we've started a, a different kind of conversation. And I was looking at the questions because we've we have lots of questions that came in. Uh, a question that sort of goes around this is is the notion of latent pain, and another question about pain while sleeping or not having pain in sleep. I think it's Bo Jen who's from always. I'm not. I don't don't know where he's from, but uh, he's somewhere in Asia, but he's um, he's connecting to as well. Um, He was asking about the the pain that goes and comes. um, People are safe, he's saying. So if you're in a safe place, why can people experience pain during sleep or physical rest, if you like? yeah, it's a great question yeah, because cool. it's sort of the absence of, um, let's say, something that goes on still can can create a pain mm. hypersensitivity. So how does that go related to pain hypersens- uh, pain system hypersensitivity? Yeah, so maybe I'll respond to that latent pain thing first because there's some yeah, really yeah. interesting uh, immune cascades that can take uh, hours, sometimes days, uh, I, th- I think up to 10 days, uh, for the initial trigger of that cascade to result in sufficient upregulation of sensitivity, so increase in sensitivity, uh, that a benign movement becomes painful. So you have this latent flare in symptoms or a latent increase in in pain system hypersensitive in pain system sensitivity so the the latent pains or the next day pains that you know that maybe that's um sometimes associated with a slow local inflammatory process um a, you know a bit more over a couple of days might be a slow systemic inflammatory or immune response um normally those latent pains my understanding is that that'll be more about immune cascade so and by cascade i mean a series of things that happen within the immune system or the endocrine system. Um, that idea of getting of having pain when you're in a safe place, that in and of, of itself doesn't um, uh, it, it doesn't feel very surprising to me because place is just one aspect of being safe. Um, you know, if we we could be in a very safe place and uh, something falls from the ceiling. I guess it's not a safe place if something falls from the ceiling. That's a bad, bad example. But we could be in a in a safe place with a dangerous person mm-hmm. uh, or or a dangerous event. So but if if we take maybe the spirit of that, like you're in a you're in a safe place, you don't do anything, uh, you're asleep, uh, and all of a sudden you wake up with pain. Um there could be there could be so many things contributing to that. And that's why I really like like the idea of of always conceptualizing pain as the very last thing that happens within the system, uh, and we could talk about this from a predictive processing Bayesian type perspective, but but I think the arguments would be similar. The the conceptualizing pain as the end result, and underneath that is everything, everything. Uh, that is telling your system the current state of affairs and drawing on data within your world. Now, when you're asleep, you're not unconscious. You're in an altered sense of uh, or state of consciousness. Uh, and you may very well have fluctuations in 
in endocrine markers, immune markers, uh, neural markers. You might be accessing past experiences. You might actually be creating these experiences and sometimes you remember them as dreams. Um, all of these things are, are actually happening. And if we think about, uh, you know, there being this little amplifier in the system that is adjusting all these different various categories of, of things. And it's the output of that whole amplifier that will determine whether or not your brain says, ah, I, you need to do something here and I'm going to make pain. Uh, and I can already hear people hearing that and say, oh, you brain centric doofus. Um, and maybe I should say, you know, your pain system uh, produces pain as a, as an end result of all of that processing. So pain, Pain, immediately waking up in the night with pain um, will be more likely if you've got more cues going on in your life and less likely if you've got fewer cues. But part of what you described from Bo Jen, Bart, was pain in your sleep. And I find that a really interesting idea. And... To my knowledge, I have not had pain in my sleep. And according to the conversations I've had with people, I reckon I've had two conversations with two different people where what they're describing is completely consistent with pain in your sleep. Everyone else who's described it, it's pain that the instant you're awake. And... I find that a really interesting thing to think about. And I mean, people might have experiences and they might end up um, emailing you about that. Say, no, I definitely have pain in my sleep. Um, and my question will always be, so how do you know? Well, I, I woke up with pain. And I'll say, so you had the first thing you knew about when you're awake was pain. Uh, but do you know that you had it before you woke up? And that's a really... It's really like, and and this would be a whole new thing for us to chat about one day because um, I'd have to dig around a bit about uh, about published accounts of this. It's a really interesting thing about thing to think about. Does sleep provide a state of consciousness in which pain is not made, um, or does does it also occur in pain? I don't know. But people will have experiences, so let us know. Yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah. If you if you have such experience or heard about that, uh, mail at uh, mastersessions.academy. Um, we're happy to receive um, your your experiences so far. Um, yeah, this is so uh, we're gonna finish this uh, this uh, episode um, for now, and and it looks like we are going to build on this pain system hypersensitivity and it's um and your experiences as a um, uh, as a researcher but also a clinician and um and i think these these amazing pain stories which probably would be amazing pain stories like why is happening this and uh, just to get a better understanding of the 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 let's say the amazing pain system if you like where where we can learn much more um so for now, thank you for listening. This is, has been a very lovely episode. Um, for next episode, for you guys listening, um, we're looking forward to do a deeper dive in all things that goes around understanding pain and experiences from multiple angles. And uh, 
thank you for listening again. Um, make note that uh, Lorimer is going to teach a course in York uh, in 2024 that will be in June. Um, have a look at our website. Um, I guess if you if you're around, at least if you it would be it would be a good opportunity to see each other in the flesh and uh, um, having a having a good couple of days of learning about pain science. So um, everyone is invited, of course. So Lawson, everyone's thank you. invited. Everyone is invited. Thanks, Bart. Great no to see you. Yes. Yeah, let's make sure we put down somewhere to um, one day do have a chat about pain in sleep. Pain and sleep, uh, yeah, I got that. And I'm sure there are people out there. Um, let us know your experiences about about that. Anyway. It's there. Ciao. Good. Ciao, ciao. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Bye.